This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are talking politics and religion without killing each other. I am your host, Corey Nathan, and it is an honor to be a part of the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts that examines what's broken in our democracy and how we can work together to fix it. Remember, (laughs) this part's coming. Subscribe or follow. See, that's a little different. Subscribe or follow. I I usually, I've been saying the... um, the write a review thing, and I'll get to that. Uh, but also, you got to subscribe and follow. So subscribe and follow, um, and yeah, leave a good rating and write a review. We've actually been getting some nice ones lately, which I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I am so appreciative of. We got one a few weeks ago from Bring Back the Old Days. That was the the name. Bring Back the Old Days said exactly what I was looking for: smart discussions where people are kind to each other. Finally, right? Finally. Um, we heard from uh, a friend of mine from the tra- trailer industry, uh, a guy named Schrader. Schrader said, refreshingly smart and sane. This show does just what the title claims. It's so refreshing and smart. That's really nice. It's, um, it's heartening to hear this feedback. Uh, obviously, it's very encouraging for me, and I, I appreciate that. Um, I, so thank you. Bring back the old days. That that's actual. You know, like I said, that's the name. And thank you, Schrader. That it was really. Um, you're hitting upon just what we're trying to do. So I do appreciate you taking the time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference. So if you haven't done that already, it would be so helpful if you could go to Apple Podcasts on our Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other page. Scroll down a bit in the list of episodes to where. They let you leave a rating and, and write a review. Click on that little pen-looking graphic and write us a review so we can finally get big, bad Apple to acknowledge that we actually exist. That folks don't just want to hear screamers riling up anger and, uh, you know, and fear, but healthier conversations around these important topics. That's how you can help, not just with the show, but with, with what we're trying to do. So along those lines, I've been doing some of these solo uh, episodes and uh, we're just going to keep going with it. Um, today, what I wanted to talk about is the number one defining principle of, I was going to say conservatives, but what passes for being conservative in today's politics, and that is hating the left. It's not about immigration. It's not about fiscal policy. It's not about foreign affairs. It's not about even, uh, well, I was going to say it is kind of about an individual politician, but it's really about hating the left. And it's been that way, it's, it's been a growing trend that has now metastasized basically since the late 80s. Yeah, that, it goes back to 1987, Rush Limbaugh came on the scene. We've talked about this before on the show. Uh, Rush Limbaugh came on the scene, Fox News started in the, in the early 90s, and now we have an entire industry that's about hating the left. Uh, but I am here to tell, and we'll get into more of this. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that hating the left is neither a governing philosophy nor a winning strategy. And by the way, it's not even conservative. Hating the left is neither a governing philosophy, a winning strategy, nor is it even a conservative philosophy. So let's go through that for a second. I I already began to allude to this. Is hating the left a defining principle? Yeah, it is. 
I mean, you, you know, Rush Limbaugh for decades, you, the first 15 minutes of his show, the first couple segments of his show, it was about what the left is trying to do. It was about character, mischaracterizing, generalizing, and vilifying the left, the liberals, the Democrats, the progressives. The left is trying to kill your babies and make them into soup. Buy my book. <laughs> um, so that was Rush Limbaugh. Fox News picked up on that and turned it into an entire media complex. Um, and now an, an entire media ecosystem between podcasts and online and uh, television, obviously, other, new, other networks. Fox wasn't conservative enough or they didn't hate the left enough. Uh, streaming. So there's an entire media complex, media ecosystem, if you will. So what am I talking about? Um, you really don't need to look that hard. Uh, one one fellow that came right to mind is Dan Bongino. So I just popped on his on his website. Saw what the last couple episodes of his podcast have been, and you don't have to. It doesn't take a ton of effort. It doesn't take a lot of detective work to find, you know, what the left is trying to do, or all the terrible things that are supposedly happening in blue cities, as he would put it. He's still. So but Bung a guy like Bongino is still talking about defund the police, an article I clicked on, defund the police largely in blue cities, as if that was a standard, widely accepted and promoted position by the entirety of the left. And I'll have to get to how a guy like Bongino is defining the left. Let's just say it's, it's, it's not very precise, let alone true, but um, <laughs> to hell with truth, right? Uh, the, the hit job is, is, is so juicy. So yeah, he, he's talking about to fund the police, but listen, it takes a special kind of talent to pretend that Joe Biden is, is for something like to fund the police, to pretend that he didn't come out right away and immediately and forcefully uh, come out against this sort of rhetoric or notion called defund the police. In fact, the entirety of the supposed left, with the exception of a few, uh, a small fringe of extremists that were that were toying around with this notion, uh, but that very week, Joe Joe Biden, the leading candidate at that point in 2020, came out very forcefully against the idea of defund the police. So he's still talking about it as if it's a standard on the left, uh, but it serves it serves a narrative. Um, it serves a specific kind of a narrative. The, the left has been taken over by this extremist type of rhetoric. So it does serve that overall narrative that's been trumpeted, that's been repeated, that, we're, that folks who listen to it and are entertained by it have been rehearsing. Look what they are doing. Look what the left is doing to defund the police. It serves a healthy, it's easy to remember. Look what they're trying to do. Look what they're trying to do to us, the them, the general, the the characterization or mischaracterization and the vilification versus the us that's what it is just I, I mean if you do want to i don't know i wouldn't recommend it he's not my cup of tea obviously dan bongino but it's um it's not just dan bongino you look you can look on the fox news website the the breitbart website ben shapiro episode after episode i i do try to listen to these guys partly so <laughs> so you don't have to um you know, Shapiro, honestly, like Shapiro, if you can, he, he spends a lot of time blowing up Barbie, you know, talking about 
I don't know. Um, what's the singer's name? Uh, I, I all of a sudden am a fan of, of this uh, Tay-Tay, <laughs> Swifties. Um, I'm all of a sudden a fan of Swifties because she's driving guys like Dan Bongino crazy. Mark Levin's going crazy over Taylor Swift. She's just a singer. Come on. Um, you know, so Shapiro makes, every once in a while, Shapiro makes some good good arguments, but he spends so much time on this, the generalizing, mischaracterizing, and vilifying of the supposed left and wokeism and, and all this stuff, it takes away from otherwise intelligent arguments. So if you want to get what I would say the best of a guy like Ben Shapiro, pull up his episode when he had Larry Wilmore, who's been on this show. He had Larry Wilmore on his show. He went on Larry Wilmore's show. He can have a really intelligent, engaging, even persuasive conversation. But I guess <laughs> we've talked about this before too where it's it's like crack it's the addiction it's the clicks it's the downloads it you know falling prey to the generalizing mischaracterizing and vilifying of a large kind of um large group of of uh, villains of opponents uh it's it sells you know it's it's angertainment what i call it it's um it's fear it's anger so these these things certainly sell, and a guy like Ben Shapiro is smart enough to know that that's uh, it's it's good for the, for his bottom line if he continues to do that. I just wish that um, we could all we could all be more tuned in to the substantive arguments because a dude like that does make substantive arguments. But a lot of these guys have no substance. I mean, Mark Levin is supposedly a leader um, of this media, you know. Uh, uh, ecosystem for lack of a better word um again it's an entire angertainment conflict entrepreneur media complex how the left is being defined um it's basically you know anyone so the left th this is the other thing so i was going to say that the left is being very loosely defined too that's another part of it it's it's not a very specific or, or well-defined term because the left essentially is anyone who's not like me you know, I, I'm I am often referred to as a liberal or or as part of the left. So it listen, if I was a liberal or a progressive, I certainly wouldn't be ashamed to own it. Um, it wouldn't be embarrassing. I, I would embrace it. Some of my best friends are liberal, progressive. A lot of folks listen to this show are left of center or pretty far left. That's cool. If I was, that'd be cool, too but I ain't. And that's why it's bo it bothers me consistently when folks refer to me as the left. So what is the left? It's not just me, by the way. It's guys like David French, who couldn't be more conservative. Dr. Russell Moore, who couldn't be more conservative, both politically and, and uh, theologically, religiously. They're conservative, as conservative as they come. David French spent 25 years Defending free speech, defending the very pillars of conservatism, free speech, free practice of religion. He, he was one of the, the, the conservative movement's best, uh, best litigators, if you will, quite literally. Um, Dr. Russell Moore, he headed the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention. He was born in the Southern Baptist Church. He grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. He was very high up in the Southern Baptist Convention. But why? Why are these guys considered liberals? Why are these guys considered that um, now they're, they're part of the left? Why? Because they're not part of the orthodoxy, because they don't hate the left enough. 
David French can actually have an intelligent conversation. David Brooks can have an intelligent conversation with people who really are on the left. And he doesn't see them as the enemy. He sees them as his neighbors with whom he has some disagreements. But because he doesn't hate them enough, they're, they're now considered part of the left. Or more specifically, they have, they have uh, critiques, intelligent critiques of the leader of the conservative movement now, the quote-unquote conservative movement now, that being Donald Trump because they have concerns and critiques of Donald Trump, guys like Dr. Russell Moore are all of a sudden considered to be part of the left, or guys like me, that I, I am not willing to bow down and worship at the idol of Donald Trump, that I'm considered a liberal? No, I'm a conservative. I am a fiscal conservative. I'm a small business conservative. I'm a social libertarian, live and let live. And we'll get into some, some, of, uh, some of that. Um, but, you know, again, just before we move on, looking at some other sites, Breitbart, uh, Fox News, one he headline after another that feeds into this us versus them narrative narrative. Mark Levin, who I mentioned, you pull up his <laughs> you pull up his website and the title of his book right there in the front page of his website, the Democrat Party hates America. <laughs> I can hear his voice. I'm surprised he called the book. The Democrat Party is trying to kill you. You know, because that's what his show is about. You listen to him for 15, you know, literally five minutes, you listen to him and you'll know what I'm talking about. So everything else makes sense if we understand that the underlying principle, um, the one that uh, trumps everything else, pun intended, is hating the left. And the left, again, is broadly defined as anyone who doesn't sufficiently, anyone who doesn't sufficiently hate the left. So Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, who she, when she of all people, if there ever was an actual conservative still standing in the Republican Party, it's Nikki Haley. And yet she's considered, I'm hearing all these stories that she, she's really a liberal. She might as well be a liberal. She's a rhino, Republican in name only. Why? Because she doesn't roll out with hate, hateful language toward the left every other sentence. Why? Because she's not bound down at the, at the idol of Trump because she has intelligent critiques about Trump now that they're head to head. You know, there's so much talk about the notion that, that she's some sort of liberal, and it's because she doesn't sufficiently hate the left. Before we move on, I wanted to tell you about something else that's important. Money. <laughs> uh, specifically your money. In all seriousness, I wanted to tell you about my advisor and my friend, George Meza. George runs Meza Wealth Management. And with George, it's not just about money. It's about helping us manage our present and plan for our future. And unlike a lot of other firms out there, George and I actually have a relationship. He knows me. He knows my family. And I know his wonderful family. I also know his firm and the incredible team he's put together from his chief investment officer to some of the other great people in his office, like Jessica, their head of operations that are always there to help me and with all aspects of our portfolio. You see, the thing is, I got a lot going on. I guess we all got a lot going on and I don't have the time to watch our investments all day, every day. And even if I did, I don't have the experience and expertise that George's team collectively has. So we get the entire Mesa Wealth Management team, all their expertise and all their integrity. And again, it's based on George knowing me personally, knowing my goals and even the kind of risk that's appropriate for me to take, which by the way, could change from one season to the next. And they're on top of all of that. So if you want George Meza and Meza Wealth Management to be on your team, just visit their website, mezawealth.com. That's M-E-Z-A wealth.com, www.mezawealth.com. And that will also be in our show notes, so you can check that. And now 
back to our show. Okay, so I say hating the left also is not a governing philosophy. So, uh, I mean, just as an example, if you're paying any attention to what's happening in the House, um, there's a deal on the border. The, the, the deal on the border, by the way, it, the, the, the language hasn't been released yet, but we know a lot of what's in there. And it's basically every single item on the grocery list, on the wish list of what the Republicans have been fighting for, for literally, not just years, but literally for decades, making it tougher for people to enter the asylum system, dramatically speeding up the process, denying the ability to, to apply for asylum even. Every single thing you can check the box everything Republicans have been wanting. So why is it all of a sudden anathema? Why? Why now? Because we hate the left so much that we can't make a deal with Democrats. Biden came to the table and he said, yeah, you know, some other priorities are are important. There is a problem at the border. Now, this is not necessarily my position, um, but but I am observing, again, over and above any individual position, for example, uh, with this example on immigration, I'm looking at how I'm looking at how we're able to collaborate, to cooperate, to figure out, okay, I'm not going to get everything that I want. You're not going to get everything that that you want. Um, In this case, the Republicans are actually able to get everything that they want on the border. Biden finally comes to the table. He acknowledges his problem on the border. Okay, you can have everything you want. But why? Why is is the House, in particular, the Republican-led House, the thinnest of majorities, which I'll get to in a second, why? because they can't be seen making a deal with the Democrats, even even though it's everything that they want. It's everything that they want. So why is that? It's because they can't be seen making a deal with the Democrats. It's because they can't even give a hint at the possibility of Biden getting a win, even though it's their win. It would be their win. They're getting what they want on the border. But why? Because they could fix the problem. They'd rather have the problem than fix the problem. They'd rather have the problem so they could pin it on Biden so they could supposedly win which they're not, by the way, they're not winning. They haven't won in cycle after cycle, but they think that this is some sort of a winning strategy. It's not. And the only reason that, that, that the House is, is putting the brakes on, part of it is because, yeah, uh, Johnson got on the phone with, with, with Trump and Trump said, no, 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 wait until I get reelected or elected in his, you know, in his words, like uh, again, uh, because he, he's still saying that he won in 2020. Um, it's because Trump doesn't want to give Biden a win or even the hint of a win even though it would be Republicans win. They, he, they, can't, they can't be seen to, to cooperate, uh, to, to, to come to the table and actually negotiate and have, even though they're getting everything that they want. It, it, why? Because the central principle is we gotta hate the left. Um, a lot of folks I know who are still Republican and, and, and passed the purity test of hating liberals enough were um, seeking an alternative to Trump. So a number of my friends who pay attention to this stuff were, were gravitating toward Ron DeSantis. And, and while you could say he's been an effective executive in Florida, you cannot say he's been a conservative. He proudly proclaims Florida is where woke goes to die. But that's not necessarily a conservative set of virtues. Having teachers in fear for their jobs over what they can and can't say is paralyzing. And, 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 and makes for uh, you know, a great anti-woke headline, but it sure as hell is not leaning into the idea of free speech and, and the free exchange of ideas. Telling companies like Princess Cruises what they can and can't do on their own ships with their own employees, that's not a conservative idea. That's not about free markets. That's not business friendly. Now, now say what you want about things like masks and vaccines. I know different people have different uh, uh, feelings about that. Feel however you want. 
telling me as a business owner what what I can and can't do when there's a worldwide pandemic going on, telling me I can't enact rules within my own company that I deem to be in the best interest of that company for my employees and my clients, that's not conservative. So yeah, he was an effective executive in, in one in one way, but it wasn't a conservative set of principles that he was he was enacting. That's authoritarian. You you may like it because you hate the left so much, but make no bones about it. It ain't conservative. It's not and it's not even democratic. It's not even in the spirit of our constitutional republic, if if you prefer that language. And it sure as hell isn't conservative. So just own it. It's author it's it's authoritarian, is what it is. And maybe you're into it. Maybe you're into it, but it's not conservative. You maybe maybe you hate Disney uh, all of a sudden because they decided to have the back that you know their employees' backs, uh, people who happen to be gay or, or or people who support and love people who are gay, um, or, or you know p- people uh, employees in that company. Uh, and Disney wanted to say, "We support you. You're still our employees. You know, you, you're still on our team, or whatever the lingo they use in Disney. You know, so they use their free speech rights." to have the backs of their employees who are gay or, or queer, um, but using, <laughs> using the levers of governmental power to punish Disney for doing just that, that's not conservative. And for the record, Florida actually has a miserable record under DeSantis in terms of the quality of healthcare, school funding, long-term elder care, and other important uh, things. Florida ranks toward the bottom of states in all of these different ways. So Maybe, you know, I, I'm not into this dude, uh, as you can tell, you know, that the smile, the smile is just uh, that that's where I, I can't even I can't even begin the smile. He, he looks like he just ate an egg. that's been sitting out in the hot Florida sun for two weeks. Uh, maybe maybe he's not even that good of a governor after all. So either way, he's not conservative. So let's stop pretending he is. He sure he sure hates the left. I mean, that's there, there's no doubt about that. So that's why a lot of folks are into him. But again, Nikki Haley, who, who, by the way, would win against Biden in a landslide, an actual real election uh, or, or an actual, you know, not not what Trump is talking about. She, she would actually win. Um, but you can't have her. She doesn't hate the left enough. She, so let's make sure she doesn't get the nomination. But now <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, the, the winning strategy. So actually, let's talk about that. Ever since the hate the left crowd has taken hold of the Republican Party, Republicans are doing a lot of losing, <laughs> you know? I mean, reverse, go, go back in time, just not too far back. Like when guys like um, John Boehner was a speaker, Paul Ryan was a speaker, when they were leading the Republican caucus in the House, when guys like Michael Steele, Michael Steele was running the uh, RNC, Um there was actually winning going on. Michael Steele was overseeing the party during the 2010 cycle when he picked up 63 seats in the House, 63 seats. But a guy like Michael Steele has been completely ostracized by today's Republican Party, by the Fox News crowd. Why? For for, for being a winner? For, for winning 63 seats in the House? No, because he committed the sin of showing up on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and having a, a friendly conversation with somebody who he disagreed with. That, I mean, that's 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 a sin of all sins. You can't you can't you can't sit down and and, and go to somebody uh, who who has different opinions than you and, and act like they're you know just your neighbor who with different opinions. No, that's the enemy. That's the deadly enemy. You know, we can't disagree on things and act as if a person is is um is is our neighbor. Boehner and Ryan, when they were each speaker in their time, they had governing philosophies and they won, but they actually worked with Democrats, and that's the sin. That's the cardinal sin.
So what's happened over the last several cycles? Loss after loss after loss. 2018, the midterm after Trump was elected. Yeah, the sitting president's party historically loses some seats in the House, but Democrats picked up 40 seats. I think it was 40 seats. They flipped the House. What happened in 2020? And don't, don't give me the nonsense about Trump really won. If that's what you're still thinking, respectfully, you're wrong. This is what I call a gravity argument. You could argue all you want whether gravity exists, but at the end of the day, gravity's undefeated. So I, I wouldn't recommend anybody having this, uh, you know, testing their conspiracy theory that gravity doesn't exist. It's not going to end well. Uh, so if you want to discuss it one on one, I guess we can talk about it. You know, reach out to me. We'll, we'll go grab a beer. I'm going to need a couple to warm up just to like relax a little bit. Because uh, this, uh, this, this nonsense that Trump's been, it's done such great harm to our country. Um, and thank God for our legal system. Thank God for the judicial branch. Uh, they've been, the judicial, in particular, the conservative legal movement and, and Trump appointed judges have been the bulwark against this onslaught. Um, but all of these conspiracies could have happened on such a massive scale. Yeah, I've, millions of people, a conspiracy involving millions of people everybody all of them and, and they all these millions and millions of people they all kept the same secret <laughs> or or trump lost <laughs> that's the other possibility or trump lost um which he did he lost big bigly as he would say over 300 electoral votes that's a decisive victory so it, again 2020 what happened democrats kept the house that year and they won back the senate <laughs> yeah, hating left, arguably cost the Republicans the Senate. We do remember what happened in Georgia, right, in 2020. And then 2022, Republicans should have had this wave, a huge wave. But what they do? Democrats kept the Senate. And yeah, Republicans won the House, but that's a majority. That's the slimmest of majorities. It was supposed to be over 60, you know, 60 seats from what McCarthy was talking about. It wasn't 60. It wasn't even 40 seats that like the Democrats won in 18. They're, they're now looking at a one or two seat majority, the, the, the Republicans are. And this is not even getting into state by state accounting of, of what, uh, what's been happening, you know, in the Trump or the, you know, the Trump era or the hate the left era of the Republican Party. But I can tell you, as someone who follows the stuff, it's not pretty for Republicans. Look state by state level. Look what happened in Michigan in, uh, in 2022. So hating the left is neither a governing philosophy DeSantis with his uh, where woke goes to die uh, is actually where <laughs> I'm, I'm being mean now, where real smiles go to die. Um, this this hating the left sure as hell doesn't look like a winning strategy as as we look at the reality of election results over the last several cycles. And no, we're not giving credence to Jewish space laser, long dead dictator ghosts rigging voting machine conspiracy theories. It's gravity. You lost, period. And then you lost again. And then you lost again. And it's just going to keep happening because hating the left is neither a governing philosophy nor is it a winning strategy. And as we've now discussed, it's not even conservative. So how do you like them apples? <laughs> Listen, I know I've been coming at it hard today. Um, I guess it, it, it strikes a nerve for me, uh, you know, and, and it's personal because I am a conservative. And yet I am seen as a liberal or left or something because I don't sufficiently hate the left. Um, you know, that, that's really what it comes down to. And I've seen a lot of friends that I go to church with uh, that they will do away with sound scriptural principles, scriptural um, Christian biblical theology 
they'll they'll mangle it if if they're reading something that doesn't align with um you know the hating the left version of conservatism you know it, it's real to, to me in all seriousness it's 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 really tragic you know dr moore talked about it last time he was on here that um you know you, you could be reading directly from the sermon on the mount and uh somebody from the pews will come up and and just complain you know what what do you what are you preaching that that liberal nonsense for you know we we just do away with scripture when it doesn't suit our a priori preferences and prejudices you know it's a new form of prejudice so i'll say that uh, i'm not saying that that uh if you're you know today's version of conservative which it isn't conservative um that that you're a racist i that i've never said that and i, I won't but it is a bigotry of a certain sort. It's a bigotry of marking people with, you know, this label of being on the left, of being liberal, and giving um, license to be hateful and to see anybody that you've deemed to be on the left as the enemy. So yeah, I've been coming at it hard today. This isn't, you know, this isn't a new version of what Monty Guzman. Uh, would say of, huh, I never thought of it that way. But listen, um, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I, I've probably pissed some of you off. And that's okay, too. It, you know, that said, talk of politics and religion not killing each other doesn't mean I don't have opinions. Clearly, I do. So maybe in future weeks, I'll talk more about ways we can have better conversations and stuff like that. But every once in a while, I got to roll out and share what I think about topics and the overall state of things. Plus, it's my freaking show, so stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> uh, but if you do appreciate what we're doing here, or even if I do piss you off, and uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I did piss you off, but you still think I made some good points worth thinking about, hit the subscribe button. Hit it. Listen a little bit more. Maybe somebody will come on that you agree with more than you agree with me. Um, or, or write to me, you know, like write to me and tell me why you think I'm wrong. Tell me which points are, are totally crazy or invite me out for a sandwich or a beer or a coffee or a tuna fish. Take me out for a tuna fish sandwich and let's talk about it, you know. And by the way, tell a friend about TPNR. Tell about tell a friend about, you know, this crazy Jersey dude coming on and, and sharing his thoughts. Um, you know, obviously, all the other episodes are with this, these incredible, incredible guests that have been coming on. I'm really excited about we're, we're going to be having Curtis Chang. Uh, coming on again, talking about the um, the after party, how we can get past all of this hate the left thing, or you know others you know who are uh, Bongino fans would say, oh well they hate us too. No no no, no. I'm, it's all right, relax. Um, Curtis Chang is coming on Thursday. I get to I get to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vinman, uh, so I'll be sharing that in the coming weeks. Uh, really excited about all the different people that are coming on the show. Um, we are easy to recommend. It's politicsandreligion.us. That's www.politicsandreligion.us. So you can tell somebody how to find us. You know, and you can tell them also that if, if they're looking on their app, type in T-A-L-K-I-N apostrophe politics on pretty much any app and we'll show up properly. T-A-L-K-I-N apostrophe politics. Not talking with G. It's no, there's no G. Not, not in our title. Or you can find me online. You can reach out to me on uh, the major, the four major ones I'm on is LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, not, not Twitter. I'm not on really on Twitter anymore, threads and Instagram. So at Corey S Nathan, that's Corey with an E S as in Sam, 
uh, N-A-T-H-A-N, at Corey S. Nathan. Now, go talk some politics and religion with gentleness and respect. Maybe I wasn't so gentle, (laughs) but it is all said with respect. And have a great week. 